0: Hello, and welcome to the podcast of the Faith and Justice Network, where we are seeking faith and learning justice because we believe the two belong together, and they lie at the very heart of what it means to follow Jesus. My name is Peter Choi, and I serve as director of the Faith and Justice Fellowship Program.
1: I'm Danielle Mayfield. I write as Dio Mayfield, and I'm... Oh my gosh, Peter. What is my title? in this program I you're a
0: teaching to- fellow <laughs>
1: <laughs> i'm a teaching fellow i'm i used to be a student i kind of still feel like a perpetual student but i'm a teaching fellow and i'm really excited because we have a very special guest on the podcast today peter and that person is sitting right next to me that person is my husband crispin <laughs> mayfield you want to say awesome. hi yeah
2: i'm so glad to be here
1: okay do you want me to like explain your you or do you want to explain yourself to no, the I, listeners.
2: Like, I, I want you to You want me to do
1: Okay, so Crispin, <laughs> Crispin is the best person in the entire world, and I've been married to him happily for 13 years. He's um, a therapist here in Portland, Oregon, and he has his first book coming out in February on attachment science and how it relates to theology, which... If that sounds boring to you, it's not boring. It actually is so. I'm sorry. I know some people are like already really into it. I'm coming more from like the scatterbrained um, person perspective where I'm like, what does that even mean? But really, it's about how we relate to God and how we relate to the most significant relationships in our life. Crispin, would you say that your book is basically a takedown? of white evangelical theology.
2: I would say yes.
1: Okay, but he doesn't want everyone to know that, so keep that secret, but that <laughs> yeah. is kind of... We won't tell anyone else. Uh, yeah, and I'm so sorry. Tell tell the people the name of your book. Yeah,
2: it's called Attached to God, and it's coming out in February, um, and I'm also a cohort facilitator uh, for the program mm-hmm. this year as well, so that's been really cool to get connected with, with people, so... Yeah. Don't
0: want to leave that out. yeah. 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 It's been but... so fun to have the whole Mayfield family, or at least uh, half of the Mayfield family, in, in, the, in the program. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that, that's amazing. I'm really looking forward. I knew that you were working on a book. I didn't know it was so close to being released. Congratulations! I can't wait to get my hands on it.
2: Yeah, I'm really excited because it really is about like what are what do we learn from psychology about relationships and kind of the science of relationships, but um, how does that apply to God? And it really for me was so helpful to start to understand like oh, there are reasons that I don't trust God, or the reasons I feel anxious all the time, um, even though I've been you know given these promises of peace and love and comfort. Um, for me, uh, growing up evangelical, there were all these, uh, dynamics that were like this, uh, I have a lot of anxiety or I don't, you know, feels like God is just always disappointed in me. Um, and as we look at that through the, what we've learned in psychology, we start to understand like, oh, this makes so much sense. And, and, Mm -hmm. um, there are better ways, uh, to relate to God that are more freeing and liberating and safe. Mm.
0: So, oh, wow. Okay. So what I'm hearing is that we, we have someone who knows a thing or two about this topic that we're addressing this month, which is amazing to hear. So so incredibly reassuring um, to hear. So maybe I can talk a little bit about the theme for the unit, and then I'd just love to invite uh, both of your reflections on how, how we might begin to uh, get into this topic, explore it, and, and walk alongside of each other as we seek to learn and to grow in, in our experience and our understanding of the inward journey. So, yeah, th- this is a, a topic in, this is unit three of the fellowship year. Uh, we have talked about starting points. We have talked about the long journey. And then in this third unit, we're, we're focusing on the inward journey. And my hope is that this is not just some kind of introspective uh, navel-gazing exercise, but that it really is a way to to connect the interiority of our lives with what is happening in the world Mm -hmm. and in the context of community with other people. And so I've got a few quotes from the readings for this unit that I want to just read for us quickly as a way to frame our conversation or maybe just introductory words here. So the first quote I have is from Julie Rogers' book, which is the main text for this month. It's a book called Out Love, it's a great title, um, and um, the the full title is "Out Love: A Queer Christian Survival Story." And what I love about this book is that it really is also a story about the inward journey, and it's about her heroic and beautiful and tenacious efforts to hold together as a, a whole person. And it's such there's so many um, lessons and amazing stories that we glean from this story, and so. What I love is at the very outset, this is before you get into the book even, in the author's note, there's a sentence I just want to read for us because I think it's, um, it's just helpful, and it's a word of encouragement for all of us. She says, it's really hard being human, and most of us are doing the best we can. And what's so amazing about that to me is that there is so much pain and hurt in the story that she tells, uh, inflicted. By people outside of her, but inside the the Christian community, and the I think this is such a, a beautiful opening because she really holds to this viewpoint throughout. She tells mo- so many stories of hurt and pain and sorrow and hope and love, um, but respecting the complexity of people's inward um, journeys. And then another quote I have is from Barbara Holmes, uh, where uh, who has a, a wonderful chapter on con- on the history of contemplation and contemplative spirituality. And she says on page three of that uh, chapter, the holiness that Jesus describes has less to do with pious character traits and more to do with the hosting of God's abiding presence. And I love this word as an invitation for all of us to simply recognize as we think about our, in, our inward journeys, the, in, the interior life, uh, thinking about God's abiding presence in us and with us and um and so yeah that's the that's the invitation and so yeah, um, Crispin and Danielle, what are your thoughts on um all of this, and how would you invite us into the inward journey?
2: yeah, so thinking about this today um in preparation, i Actually, in writing this book, spent a lot of time reading some biographies from Christian theologians and realizing that um, I'm not psychoanalyzing them necessarily, but realizing that uh, their inner life really impacted their theology. And, um, and when, when we go without examining our own story and what's going on internally for us, right? We just naturally put that into the way that we teach about God and that can have, uh, some, you know, various impacts that can, you know, even be harmful. One example that I think is really prominent is Billy Graham. So Billy Graham, um, obviously well-known evangelist in the 20th century and, um, early in his, in his career, um, in early in his ministry, he told this story. Uh, he says the gospel is like this. It's like uh, a father and a son are in a cabin and the father says, go get a log for the fire. The son was engrossed in a novel. Um, and so he doesn't hear the dad. And so the dad raises his voice and says, go get the, go get the wood. And the son's like, no, I'm not going to, he slams the door leaves, Mm -hmm. right? Comes back two weeks later, And says, dad, can I come in? And the dad's face softens for a moment and then grows stern and says, you can come in as soon as you go get that stick from the wood pile and put it on the fire like I told you to in the first place. And what's so striking is like, here's Billy Graham, who you would assume knows the prodigal son story, right? Mm. (laughs) And yet for him telling this story, it just felt right. It felt like this is who God is. And if you know about his biography, you know that 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 father in that picture, um, in that story, is a lot like his own earthly father, um, and in my opinion, not so much like God. And so that really struck me. And and by the way, I should say that this is um, this was pointed out in a book called Gentler God by Doug Frank. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a really great book. Um, so that's that's not all my work, but. Um, but as I started looking at these different, uh, A.W. Tozer, Charles Spurgeon, uh, even Martin Luther, all of them have these backstories, um, that you can see in their theology. Um, and, uh, Charles Spurgeon, for example, um, seems like he went through some uh, trauma, some relational trauma earlier on in life. And what we know is, is that um when people go through that they end up feeling like there's something rotten at the core of me and his theology over and over again talked about how people are rotten at the core right Mm -hmm. and you think about wow like we you know we just assume this is you know a man of god interpreting the bible um but when we don't look at where we come from when we don't do some of that inner journey um it it really comes out in what we emphasize um, in ways that like the Billy Graham story is so shocking to me because you're like, this is so different than the prodigal son. Right. Um, and yet he's still told that as like a gospel story. Wow.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think this is interesting because the theme of this month is The Inward Journey. And, you know, Crispin's a therapist. Peter, you're a historian, right? And I am someone who is a big reader and loves to read. Um, And just, it's an interesting way to go into this really big topic is to think about the inward journey of the people we you know, respect or have been lauded in our lives. I always think about, I met Crispin at Bible college here in Portland mm. and I worked at the library there and there was this book uh, that one of the classes used and it's called Marriage to a Difficult Man. And it's about um, Jonathan Edwards. And it's so mm. fascinating because I think about that book all the time. It'll just come up out of nowhere. I'll be like, "What? what does that mean? Like, Um, And it was really like his wife was so holy to kind of put up with all the things that came along with being married to a really famous, um, you know, preacher and Mm -hmm. and theologian. So I just think it's an interesting way to look at the inward journey of others impacts us. Mm -hmm. But I think you already brought up with Julie Rogers book. It's like we all have a duty to tend to our own in mm-hmm. our lives and that's where things like you know contemplation can come in I just want to say if anybody's listening and you hear like oh you should do more contemplative work or you should you know folk, I hate all that stuff like a lot mm-hmm. and what I first think of is someone like Richard Rohr which don't get me wrong Richard Rohr's fine he's fine but like he is like held up as the image of what it means to be like Uh, a calm cool collected spiritual person sometimes is how I feel and I'm just like I'm sorry I am a very frazzled mother who was really freaked out about the state of the world I I'm not Richard Rohr and I can't spend all day in a monastery so like what does my inner journey look like right now in this season that I'm in because I'm in a really different season than a Richard Rohr so I just want to put that out there and say if you're feeling overwhelmed by thinking about the inward journey as it's just about prayer or meditation like it's a lot more than that and I think when it comes down to it it does come down to these principles of how do we view ourselves how do we view others and I just to be really transparent Actually, Crispin, I think I just texted you this a few days ago. I was like, Do I have really bad self esteem? Like, I'm hitting this limit of, um, since it's been the pandemic and I haven't been able to find much of my like self worth in doing things, right? I've had, I've been forced to confront my, my inner life a little bit more. And I've been pretty discouraged to see, um, that I don't like myself very much. And that is not going to last me the rest of my life, right? If we're thinking about the long journey, we have to be able to operate out of a place of belovedness and not scarcity and not fear. And so this is just a continual journey I'm on. And I know Crispin's like way farther down that journey than me and probably has seen me struggle (laughs) a little bit, which is why I think this attachment science stuff is so intriguing to me
2: yeah well i think yeah as you're saying that i think there's two things that come up one is um a conversation that we had when at the end of our three years in full-time ministry which was we were starting to look at um what kind of life are we calling people into if we are if we are living in a way that's not sustainable, that doesn't have rest, um, that is, of course, as Christians, we're called to be self-sacrificial. But um, if we are living in this way of just running on fumes, um, that's not good news to give to other people, right? That we're trying to invite them into this way of following Jesus. Um, What are we inviting them into? Are we inviting them into... Um, you know, also running on fumes. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's a a piece um, around that. Yeah, it it might not be in a monastery all day, but are we living lives um, that are connected to ourselves, that are connected to others in meaningful ways and and connected to God and that there's some rest and safety there?
0: Mm, Yeah, I love this because there are things that both of you are sharing That have illustrative lessons or maybe insights that we can glean for thinking about the inward journey. Like so, observation number one: that story about Billy Graham. That's such a strange story. Like uh, even apart from um, trying to illustrate the gospel, like that's just a weird story to tell uh, (laughs) in the first place, right? Doesn't I don't even know if that that it makes sense. Um, And and I think the questioning that you are doing of that story and saying, hey, wait a minute. Hang on, just because Billy Graham is the, you know, is the face of uh, you know Christ- white Christianity or Christianity, let's not just accept what he has to say. Let's interrogate it. And when you do, you realize, oh, there's a whole mess of stuff in his background, in his personal life that is entangled in this, right? And so mm-hmm. we don't want to be like that. And we don't want to just hold to these stories. And then your point, Danielle, about, it would be so strange if you tried to be like Richard Rohr. I'm so glad that you don't try. But how many people do? Right? And that's no. and that's the hard part is this is the image, this is the template or the paradigm that no. is held up for folks. And um, yeah, it's not good. And so we're trying to find a better way, not that we've got it all figured out. And part of the challenge of this unit is we have so many materials. And I guess the the word of invitation and encouragement to all of us is we, not everything in this unit has to resonate completely and just blow your mind. It may be that some things don't work and some things do. Some things will take time and other things will be practices that bring life to you today. And I think just having discernment in that is gonna be really helpful. So. As we think about that, what are some um, some helpful tools or resources or practices that have been um, part of your lives?
1: Okay, I want to I want to say something really quick and then I kind of want to ask Crispin a question. But one thing I will say that um, knowing you, Peter, and just looking at the materials that you pick out for each of these units you know I think you were pretty intentional in the voices you chose for the inward journey and tell me if I'm like making an assumption here but like for instance Julie Rogers book right somebody who grew up gay and a Christian like the fact that she's still a Christian today is a miracle and it's a testimony to an incredible amount of inward journey that must be done right and so uh, my sense is that you picked out sort of what as a white evangelical you know i would call like outsider voices or people kind of outside that mainstream because these are these are the people who've done the work and i don't mm-hmm. think everybody's done the work who's writing christian books even christian books on the inward journey right and so i, I don't know is that kind of what you were thinking when you when you picked some of these readings
0: yeah yeah um I mean some of these and so we we have some guest teachers this unit as well and so Chuck DeGroat and Scott Sherman are also speaking into this topic and so I want to give due credit to their voices and the readings that they've assigned um but I think about like um Julie Rogers is a great example and then we're reading two amazing women um who are writing about African American spirituality so I think about Diana Hayes and I have another quote here from her from her chapter where she says Although African slaves were taught a distorted Christianity that mandated their oppression and denied their humanity, they were able, paradoxically, to discern the kernel of truth in Jesus' message. God is a God for all, and all of God's creation is good. Mm. That's just such an amazing and beautiful distillation of the gospel message. Much better than Billy Graham's story, in my humble opinion. Like
1: a million times better.
2: (laughs) Well, I was thinking, you know, I, I mentioned uh, that I'm writing this book on attachment and there's insecure attachment, there's secure attachment, there's these different qualities of relationship. Uh, but what we find with healthy, safe, secure attachment and relationships is that there's this element of delight of being delighted in, mm. um, you know, that, you know, and, and of course it's like, you know, singing to your kids, right? Like, That you know, who else do you sing to? I don't walk into my office and like. You You sing sing. to me a lot. (laughs) That's true, (laughs) but you know, you (laughs) that's your family. You sing to your family. (laughs) Yes, right. There we go. And so you know, just that aspect or the way that your you know your eyes light up when your kid gets home, and that delight you know really has been in a lot of ways not um not passed on in the church um. Mm theoretically, you know, God mm-hmm. loves you, but yeah. there are all these caveats. And I think that...
1: Can, can I interrupt really quick? Yeah. Because uh-huh. I think this is important to just name explicitly. Growing up Christian, you hear that Jesus loves you like a million billion times that God loves you. But Chris been saying, like, look at Christians. Look at evangelicals. They do not run around acting like they're a beloved child of God, do mm-hmm. they? And the ways they act are ways that are, you know, like show that they're very insecure, very scared, very anxious, all these mm-hmm. things. So, right. so what are some of the conflicting messages that you kind of, cause you're saying we hear that God loves us. But right. We're hearing other things that make us not yeah. believe that.
2: Right. Well, I, I mean, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, God loves you. Um, but God can't this, stand the side of you, and need you. You need to look like Jesus. You need before, the blood of Jesus before right. God can even mm-hmm. look at you. You know, which is so. You know, I think about Mister Rogers, who says, "I like you just the way you are." Right, mm-hmm. such a different picture.
1: And he um, never adds a
2: right if I, you uh huh pray the prayer right. And I, and, you know, I have been so encouraged and um and just taught and led by queer Christians around this because. Mm-hmm. Um, I hear this over and over. There's, there's just the shame, right, of, like, you are you, you are loved as long as you X, Y, and Z, mm. right? You're accepted mm. as long as X, Y, and Z. And that doesn't create security, right? That's with our kids. If we said, like, yeah, like, I totally love you. I want to be around you as long as you behave yourself all the time, right? That's not... which.
1: To be fair some parents do that that's
2: true but now through
1: a lens of psychology we're like that doesn't really create no right healthy kids
2: and -hmm. what happens is that then if we have this idea of you know god is god is disgusted with me um you know i always thought of it as like you know like jesus is slipping me in the back door um of heaven you know it's like god doesn't really God, you know and of course this if you're a theology nerd you're like this this runs into so many heresies but um you know god doesn't want me there but jesus is getting me in you know um i got my jesus mask on like as long as i look like jesus mm-hmm. then god can stand to be around me and and you know we get this in implicit ways um there are explicit ways like You know, recently I read a a John Piper talking about, you know, God finds us utterly displeasing when it comes to personal relationship. But what I think is is so important about this is there's, there's two pieces. One is we don't feel secure with God. We don't feel that connection. We don't feel that delight. And then what happens is it then is hard to see the way that God delights in others. Right. And politically even. Right. So if I'm disgusting to God and um, it's only through Jesus that I could even get near to God, it's, you know, I would say that's the way that white supremacy has operated for a long time. Right. To say yeah. People, you know, people are disgusting. And so if we treat them poorly, mm-hmm. that's what they deserve.
1: Unless they act just like us.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. 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 Unless they right act just like us. So I'm, you know, thinking about that Billy Graham story, right? Go throw the wood on the fire. Um, you know, I was talking to my friend Brandy Miller recently, and she was talking about, yeah, that, you know, that obedience piece is assimilate to whiteness for a lot mm-hmm. of people. Um yeah. And so, yeah, I think, you know, there's so much here and we were talking about this earlier that it can feel like, am I just navel gazing? Especially if you're, you know, that person that is really aware of all the injustice in the world and you're, you know, that there are so many needs. How do I take the time to do my own inner work? But what we know is that when we, when we don't do that and we don't, come from a place of God delighting in us, it's going to be harder for us to see the way that God delights in others as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So don't feel shame, right? If you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, I think I have an insecure attachment to God, or I don't think I have this core sense of belovedness from God, because that was the whole point of the church was mm-hmm. to create an insecure attachment between you and God so mm-hmm. that you would remain in the fold. Right. Mm-hmm. So don't blame yourself.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Let's burn this mother effort down. Sorry, <laughs> I get a
1: little riled up about it because it's yeah. really a big deal, mm-hmm. right, Peter? When you think about it, that the church has said they're telling us that God loves us, but in reality, they're setting us up to not feel love mm-hmm. deep down in our core, mm-hmm. yeah. and that's a, that's the very opposite of the gospel. Right.
2: Yeah, and I just want to oh. reiterate again that when I learn from and hear the stories of people that have been marginalized and pushed out and gotten that message so clearly, right? You're loved, but, you know, but, you know, there's always the caveat. Um, And then those people like Julie, knowing like I can still cling to believing that God loves me, that God likes me, delights in me, like that is such...
1: A powerful test.
2: Yeah, such a powerful thing and, and really like has saved my faith. Mm-hmm. So wow. Wow.
0: Okay, I know I'm reading a lot, but I wanna read one more thing. It's actually a comment that someone made one of the fellows made on our old platform. And so a quick advertisement here. We are moving from an old platform to a new platform. Please visit the new platform at community.faithjustice.net and sign in with your email to, um, to stay updated. But this is from Melody Ward and she's reflecting on Julie Rogers' um, Outlove. And she says this, she says, just finished reading Julie Rogers' Outlove and it was deeply moving. The emotional courage and risk it takes to live in your own skin, powerful. Thank you, Julie. I loved on pages 167 through 8, where she writes, the last big shift I experienced was understanding the importance of including the body and emotions in the process of doing theology. Pastors in my community often dismissed everything but the mind. The evangelical message was clear. Bodies were bad. Feelings led you astray. Emotions were suspect. And the heart was deceitful. In this system, only the mind, which is easily manipulated and controlled, could be trusted. Those teachings have left many Christians feeling torn between their head and their heart. And thank you, Melody, so much for pointing this out. But I think this is exactly what you're talking about, this very Mm -hmm. distorted teaching of the church that has torn people apart.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean you think about like the way that often, especially sin is talked about um, in churches, you would expect that Jesus would have like come to earth and was just like throwing up everywhere, you know, (laughs) like just so disgusted. And that's not what we see, but that's still the message that we, that we get. Mm. And I just, I just really, I'm going to nerd out for a minute um, (laughs) because there's actually, there's actually studies about Mm. Uh, what we think about God and what we feel about God, and those are oftentimes not the same. Mm -hmm. Mm. And so rarely in churches do we have the chance to ask, how do I feel about God, right? We just go to like, what do I think about God? And if there is a feeling like I don't trust God or whatever it is, rather than exploring that part and investigating what's going on here, is there something... You know, I'm a big fan of telling God, I don't trust you. Um, I'm going to be honest with you about that. I trust that we can work through this. Um, mm-hmm. But in the church, instead, it's like, well, what's the true thing you need to believe? Just believe that thing, and let's pretend like this feeling isn't there. And it really, like you said, it just tears us apart. It doesn't lead us to being integrated or whole.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that's why you were saying, like, the stories and testimonies of people who are you know gay or um you know even womanist theologians latinx theologians you Mm -hmm. know liberation theologians like i think that's exactly right they they help us center ourselves in our actual bodies and our actual like uh you know where we are in the power structure gender wise it just really helps me somebody who was raised to just think about my mind um like seeing people be in their own skin, like like we were just talking about, Julie, is so helpful. It helps those of us who don't know how to do that, to move fo- towards that place. And I just I just want to cry when I think about all these amazing people who have given us these testimonies to how to be fully you and fully beloved. And I'm not there yet. I'm just, I'm not. But these stories help me so much. A lot of times people ask me, like, how can I still be a Christian, right? Right. We're kind mm-hmm. of ex-evangelical i don't know mm-hmm. right yeah. it's hard to mm-hmm. say um but it's like because we we see these amazing people who are fully themselves and really are just like yep god loves us and god loves everyone and like this is going to change everything about how we live our lives so i just want to just mm-hmm. express my gratitude i guess for all the people who've done that hard work before mm-hmm.
0: us yeah yeah, there's something about just listening to different voices, multiple voices, to um, to paint a fuller picture, right? And I love mm-hmm. the work that you're doing, Crispin, around um, attachment theory, and it seems like there are some really important lessons that help us to, like, peer underneath the surface to mm-hmm. realize, like, underneath the surface interactions and dynamics, there's something lurking underneath that we need to be able to identify. Mm-hmm. Um, that seems really helpful.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, like, really helpful to be able to understand, like, there's something here that I need to pay attention to rather than there's something here I need to just get rid of. Mm -hmm. And so even like what Danielle was saying earlier about, like, if you're like, yeah, I I don't feel that secure with God that I'm I love having those conversations. I have those conversations internally often uh, to to start to understand, like, what is going on here?
1: just for people listening you know the question crispin already brought up is how do i feel about god which can be overwhelming and scary for people especially if you're like well i love god god's great god's good but Mm -hmm. you don't actually feel that so Mm -hmm. that's like probably a part of this attachment Mm -hmm. stuff going Mm -hmm. on and crispin like i know you've been talking about this for forever but there's a, a few different ways we can have an attachment style
2: right yeah and so when we don't feel secure when we don't feel that um, ability to just trust or just approach God um, there are these different attachment styles that develop and actually these are uh, we see them with uh, babies in in their parents we see them with infants Mm -hmm. we see them with kids Um, we see them with couples Um, And so basically, I'm just saying, well, do we see it with God too? And we do. Um, And so there are these three categories. And um, if you know anything about attachment science, you might know a little bit about these. But if not, don't worry, I'll just uh, touch on these briefly. So uh, the first one would be this anxious attachment style. And that's this, this aspect of like, I have to be on edge all the time to make sure that things are okay between me and God. Mm. Right? And and even though we're told that there's rest with Jesus, there's so many messages in the church that it's up to me to stay close to God. I even think about the euphemisms we use. So, you know, you think about um, someone has, uh, you know, if you're close to God, that means that you're doing the right things. And if you're far from God, you're doing the wrong things. Right. Which is this implicit message we get all the time that. As long as you're doing the right things, then you get to keep your that connection with God. Mm-hmm. But if you do the wrong thing, then God's going to be far. But and- that's
1: what happens, Crispin. <laughs>
2: i'm just kidding i'm just talking i'm just i'm just like i right. can
1: sense people through the space time continuum feeling really anxious as right. you're saying this Christmas well I think, like, but it's true right you have to act good to be I mean, close to god
2: yeah yeah i mean just an example i was having a conversation with uh mm. someone recently that was talking about um it was someone who had gone through a lot of trauma and then they turned to substance use to deal with that so they had spent a lot of their life drinking and. And the person that I was talking to, they said, yeah, you know, it's just really sad because they'd gone through such such hard times. And then they, you know, walked away from the faith because they were drinking and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and they weren't close to God and God could have provided comfort. And I was like, I like to believe that God is with someone like that, you know, and the church, you know, I I believe that God is with someone like that. Um, but the church, we totally flip it upside down and that's, that's Mm -hmm. really a dominant theology, right? God is close to those that are in church on Sunday. God is far from those that are, you know, marginalized by society that Mm -hmm. are living on the street or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so, so really that can create this anxiety around like, what do I need to do to stay close to God? I think about, uh, this video that I watched when I was a kid, "McGee and Me" by Focus on the Family, um, where the he li- uh, The main character is a kid. He lies about his neighbor. His dad comes and talks to him about it and says, "Lying's a problem because it hurts other people, but it's really a problem because it can cut off your relationship with God." So here I am thinking, like, wait, I was told that it's not about my works; it's about my relationship with God that saves me. But if I sin, then, you know, I don't have that relationship. And, and so how old
1: were you when you watched that?
2: I was I was probably like eight or nine. You know, it's I, I think about it as what they saw with um, these children when they were doing some of these uh, this science and with infants, they would see this is the kid that hangs on to mom's skirt and is just like, all right, I need to stay close to mom. And I don't want to explore. I, I'm not going to go talk to other people because I'm afraid that if I let go of mom's skirt, what if I turn around and she's not there? This and, is anxious
1: attachment. Yes,
2: anxious attachment in children. And I'm like, oh, that's that's what the Christian life is for some people, right? Like, I can't even really focus on anything else other than trying to be good enough to keep God close. Yeah. And I think under that is like, oh, actually, there's this longing to be able to rest and not mm-hmm. worry um and live a life that has sabbath um but yeah that's that's one of those three strategies this again is that anxious attachment of like it's all up to me to stay close to god the The second one was um, what the commenter mentioned, which is um, my emotions are the antithesis of faith. So Mm -hmm. if I'm going to be a good Christian, if I'm going to be close to God, right, my emotions aren't welcome. My emotions aren't okay, Um, and we see this this paralleled with parent child relationships as well. Um, You know, this uh, especially happens in rural communities, um, rural white communities, where it's like emotions aren't okay. Um, although sometimes there's a lot of anger that's expressed by certain people, but it's like, you know, we don't do emotions here. Um, and what you learn is instead of emotions connecting you to other people, you learn that, you know, my emotions, if it's my sadness or my worry, it drives other people away. It makes them uncomfortable. And we take that same approach with God. We say, you know what, if I'm going to show up on Sunday, like I can't feel worried. I can't feel sad. Mm -hmm. You know, et cetera. What's and this style called? This is called the shutdown. Okay. Thank you. See, I I need Danielle with me on all my your books interviews. coming out, bud. We gotta right. we gotta get these titles. <laughs> so yeah, this is this is that shutdown attachment style. Um, it's also called avoidant or dismissive for those who know. But I like that shutdown because you shut down your emotions actually to keep God close because it feels like. Wow. You know, and, and I'm thinking specifically like Francis Chan in one of his books, he's an evangelical pastor. He says, you know, worry smells like arrogance to God. It reeks of arrogance. And so, you know, all right, if I'm worried, that means I can't bring it to God because he's going to be offended, you know. Wow. And so um, and I use a God he pronoun there because that's the sort of God that comes to mind when I think about the God that can't
1: handle worry,
2: can't handle my worry. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that goes, it goes both ways. One is like, I need to not be emotional if I'm going to get close to God, but it's also, I can use my faith to, to not engage with my emotions. So I'm worried about my job, but instead of like telling my friend, like, Hey, I'm I'm actually feeling really worried these days. Like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep my job. We just say, well, God's in control. Right. And then I don't have to actually like share my emotions with others. And it, you know, seems spiritual. So mm-hmm. um, so those are, you know, th- that first style, that anxious is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep close to God by um, doing the right things, by worshiping. Sometimes it's by making my emotions really big. God, I love you so much. Um, the second one is like, I'm going to cling to that truth. I don't need emotions. Emotions don't have any room in my faith. Um, and then the third I call shame filled attachment, which is, mm-hmm. um, actually parallels neglect or trauma, um, in childhood. And it's called shame filled cause it's really based on shame. And it's this idea of like, I can't be good enough to get close to God, but I can tell God about how bad I am. And maybe then. God will let me close, right? And so it's sort of like this: like I can't be good enough, but I can, you know, hate myself enough to show God that I'm spiritual. I can't be holy enough, but I can hate the unholy parts of myself.
0: And yeah, I see your face. It's just it's (laughs) sad. But that's a sad one. (laughs) Yeah, it's well, it's really sad. All three of these are really strange. And but what I'm struck by is they're strange, but also so familiar. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, right. Like, yeah. They, it's they that... ring so true, or not true. They ring for. They they sound familiar because I've been surrounded by this version of spirituality and Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And I, I, as you were talking, Crispin, I was like, these, these forms of being attached to God are celebrated in the communities I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Right. Being over the top and very, uh, you know, hyper aware at all times of relationship with God, very mm-hmm. celebrated, but also diving into the intellect downplaying emotions at all time Mm -hmm. um and then also the whole i'm a wretch i'm a filthy worm but god Mm -hmm. loves me anyway yeah like we went to
2: a church uh over 10 years ago that like every time it was communion every sunday every sunday before communion the pastor got up and was like you know, we're disgusting to God, we're wretches, we're filthy. He
1: just made you feel like shit before right. you could take communion. And <laughs> right. that has stuck with both of us. Yeah. It's so different mm-hmm. than feasting at the table with right. Christ, you know? And,
2: yeah. And where you end up is I can either be far from God and feel kind of okay, or I can be yeah. close to God and feel like I'm being judged, feeling like I'm upsetting God, you know? Um, And it's really, it's, it's like, um, like I said, it can parallel neglect where it's like, well, I can either be far from my parent, right? Or I can be close to them and they're going to maybe verbally, verbally abuse me. And that's really what it sometimes feels like in the church is like, I can, I cannot go to church on Sunday and feel like I'm far from God. I don't think you're actually far from God, but, you know, feel like I'm disconnected because I really want that connection with God. But if I go, then I'm going to hear that sermon that's just going to tell me again how terrible mm-hmm. I am. And I already feel bad about myself. You know, mm-hmm. I already, I, you know, I just think about so many people that come into the church on a Sunday morning that are like, I don't feel good about myself. I don't think I'm a good person. I don't think I'm lovable. I don't think I'm, you know, God doesn't delight in me. And I've been in enough church services where the pastor for some reason thinks my job today is to tell people how bad they are. And it's like, I already know, like that's the message I'm already getting. Right. I need a better message, which is that God loves you. And I think within that is God loves everyone. Right. And there again is that political message. If I think, that I'm a terrible wretch, then that gives me license to treat other people like they're terrible wretches as well. Mm-hmm. You know, on a yeah. on a political level or an outward
0: level. So. Yeah, this
1: has such real life implications. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So um, I. I I'm really appreciative of the 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 expertise, the perspective with which you're laying out for us. I think this is a really helpful like diagnostic exercise, right? Mm-hmm. Helping mm-hmm. us to understand our sickness or the ways that we have been encouraged to Im- to embrace mm-hmm. a sick mm-hmm. version of theology. Um, what are some pathways to healing and movement outward? So we talked about some of the you know voices that we need to be listening to and learning from, and then I mm-hmm. wonder if there are some yeah. Uh, uh if we could sort of give give folks who are listening some some words of hope uh without glossing over the hard stuff mm-hmm. yeah
1: um I just you know we kind of already touched on it, but like pay attention to how you feel yeah. if you are still listening to sermons, right? if you're still mm-hmm. listening to worship songs, anything to do with Christianity, I would say pay attention to how you feel and accept what comes up. Uh, is a really good place for me to start. And I would probably be more of the shut down kind of spirituality at, at, in some ways. And so um, learning to connect with this song makes me feel bad. Um, I wonder why that is. Uh, same thing with the scriptures. Sometimes for a lot of us it's hard. It's hard to read the scriptures. They make us feel things we don't want to feel. And so it's been so helpful to have some um yeah. uh, you know theological voices geared towards liberation to read Mm -hmm. those scriptures with me so i I like to read in the company of of others now through books or commentaries or you know real life Mm -hmm. yeah
2: yeah i was thinking about you know we read in the shelter earlier this year Mm -hmm. by padre gotuma and i i love his passage about um testimony and how they're given and Mm -hmm. um how you know, different things land with in, in different ways with different people. Right. So that testimony that you hear on Sunday morning for one person, it might be like, this is such a great thing to hear. You know, another person it's like, well, I hear about your healing, but why didn't God heal me? And what I take from that is such uh license and freedom to notice, like, what is it that I need to hear in this, in this season? Um, You know this message might be for me it might not be for me what are the things that i find healing and restful and restorative um so i I think that is really helpful and i think that you know thinking especially about uh people that are in this program making time for rest making time to not do anything that was the cornerstone of the new the new nation when God brings the Israelites out of Egypt, right? Sabbath is like the distinguishing thing about them as a nation. Um, and we've really lost that. And I think it can be really hard when we know about all the injustice in the world to take that time. Um, yeah. and, and even thinking through like, is this is this something that's restorative, which doesn't always mean like easy, Mm. but um, you know, is this something restorative for me or not? Because so much of what we think about it, you know, sometimes it's like, I need to read another book or I need to do this or that I need to spend time praying. Um, And for me, it's actually been like, can I just take the time to just be quiet um, and know that me not doing anything, God is still delighting in me in that Mm. moment. So that's kind of an exercise. And another exercise I have used in the past is uh, playing video games and knowing that, like, (laughs) God is not judging me. God is like, I'm happy for you um, (laughs) to play, you know, which is so funny because it just seems like it. it feels like such an unspiritual thing. Right. But it really... Reinforce your brain. Right. It really Mm. is that message of like, yeah, God, like I don't have to. I can be wasting time and just doing something for just myself. And God still likes me and delights in me. And that is really breaks down some of those lies that I was told growing up, which is God likes you when you're good and uh, doesn't like you when you're bad.
0: So you're saying playing video games is a legitimate spiritual practice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. okay. I'll go on the record. <laughs> I will say
1: it's not for me. I hate them with a the passion, but I'm happy for you, Chris. Spence. This may be the
0: one podcast my sons want to listen to. <laughs> well, I think these are a good words. So pay attention to yourself, to your body. Daniel, thank you for that. Find rest um, and then play, right? Enjoy mm. Enjoy the life that God has given. Uh, Maybe one closing reflection on um, a passage from 1 Kings, I think that has been really helpful for me as I think about the inward journey. I grew up um, in the church hearing a lot about the Mount Mount Carmel experience of Elijah, Mm -hmm. where there is fire, judgment, a very clear and powerful demonstration of God's presence through His power. And I think one of the things I've le- been learning um, later in life, outside of or beyond my, my formative church experience, is that Mount Horeb is really important too, the, the second mountaintop experience that Elijah has. And on the way to Mount Horeb, he experiences sleep, so rest, God uh, makes bread for him, over, or, or an angel of God, bread over hot coals, and then so there's a nap and a snack for Elijah two <laughs> times, Right. And then the still small voice on Mount Horeb mm. and that God was present to Elijah on Mount Horeb. And there's a lot that we could tease out. Maybe we will another time. Um, but I think it's very, it, you know, it's such an um, illustrative story in the scriptures mm. of what you two have been, the wisdom that you have been sharing with us. Um, so thank you. Oh my you. gosh, and, Peter, yeah.
1: you just basically proved my point because you just unpacked you just you just unpacked that scripture in a way that was just really life-giving to me. Didn't you feel it? Mm-hmm. You felt mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's just nice. When you pay attention to your body, yeah. you don't just get to pay attention to the bad things. You also get to pay attention to like I just felt Life when you Mm -hmm. shared that story, and God wants to give me a snack and a rest too.
0: Yeah, (laughs) that's good. Yeah, because God saw like the problem for Elijah Mm -hmm. was that he had been running a lot. If you read the Mm -hmm. the chapters there, he's been running a lot. He's just tired, Mm -hmm. and he needs to sleep and eat. So, so, yeah. Yeah. But this is all wisdom (laughs) that you've been sharing with us. So thank you so much. Um, I really hope that as we take this inward journey together that we can learn, that we can find encouragement, that we can find rest and life and hope, um, despite, in spite of all evidence to the contrary in the world, mm. God is at work, um, and there is reason to hope. So thank mm. you for these amazing and wonderful reminders.
1: Yeah. Mm. Amen. And I'll just say real quick, people can find Crispin on the yes. social medias, right? What is your... Uh-huh.
2: Yeah, uh, Crispin Mayfield at on Instagram and... Uh, you can just search for Crispin Mayfield on Twitter as with well.
1: With a K. Crispin with a K. And his yes. book comes out two twenty-two-twenty-two. It's really uh-huh. easy to remember. And
0: mm-hmm. the title okay. again?
2: It's Attached to God.
0: Attached to God. Mm-hmm. An excellent title for pre-ordering, right? Right away. <laughs>
2: yeah, yes. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, thank you so much. I just really appreciate having this conversation and, and thinking again. I mean, you know, in the still in the middle of a pandemic, about what are ways that we can have a relationship with God that's, that's sustaining um, and life-giving. Mm. So, mm. thanks Peter.
0: Yeah, thank you.